Bickley and Murata. Bickley and Murata mornings. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Bickley Blast. Nothing is lost, nothing is over, and Kyler Murray is right. Everything the Cardinals want is right in front of them. But, like a growing number of fans in the Valley, I am fed up with what we are watching on a weekly basis. Let's call it fire drill football. An offense that dinks and dunks and plays behind the line of scrimmage and burns timeouts and can't get plays called expeditiously and is one of the worst situational football teams I have ever seen. And when things are going really bad, they finally figure out that Kyler Murray needs to make plays with his feet and they need to get the ball to DeAndre Hopkins. This team has got too much talent on offense to be struggling like they are and everyone seems to know it but those who are actually running the team and that's what makes this all so troubling. Fans know it's either the coaching, the talent, or the quarterback and the owner rewarded all three of them. Maybe even begrudgingly which would not and does not help the current vibe. But it's also clear to me on the field. The issue is organizational. It's operational and something needs to change fast. Now I've made my thoughts very clear on the head coach. One that an observer yesterday called Cliff Screensberry. You can disagree with me. You can claim it's more about the quarterback, but you cannot avoid this. Every day this team wastes not properly coaching and developing a $230 million investment is just going to cause more damage in his development and and in the long run. But Screenberry doesn't have the answers. And when he gets fired, do you think another NFL team would hire him, even as an offensive coordinator? I think we all know the answer to that. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury attainable with two great locations. Find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. Yeah, I mean, it's been that way um, all season, I think, for, you know, whether it's um, penalties, crucial situations, turnovers, things of that nature. Um, like I said, effort has been outstanding, just not clean enough um, in any phase uh, to get it done against, you know, these top-level teams, and that's coaches and players. So we, we just got to keep working and be better. Right. Right about that yet yesterday, that's Cliff Kingsbury, the head coach of the Cardinals, in all three phases, three turnovers on offense, giving up 34 points. And, you know, basically in the first half of that game, the defense letting the Vikings run wild. Uh, and then on special teams, you know, you, you get the, the, the botched, uh, the muffed punt by Greg yeah. Dorch, which is so instrumental in this loss. He's been so good and he's yeah. been so into it. And you know what I mean? Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. But um, you're, you're you're right. If you want to focus on the offense, and that that line in your column today on ArizonaSports.com did make me laugh. Whoever came up with Cliff Screensbury, that's pretty funny. That's at Tubing Tyler, I believe, is his Twitter handle. You watch other teams. Every team throws wide receiver screens. It looks different. The Cardinals, at this point, either... It, there's several times where a wide receiver screen goes out to a guy who's just on an island by his on his own and is counted on to break a tackle. And that guy's usually Rondell Moore, who's yeah. very explosive, but he's 5'7". Yeah. He's not the biggest guy in the world. Right. Or when they do have blockers there, the Cardinals, you know, when Larry Fitzgerald was, was roaming the field for the Cardinals... They had a guy who took pride took pride in, in, in being a wide receiver who was a good blocker. I hate to call out DeAndre Hopkins because he is the offense right now for the Arizona Cardinals. There's a couple plays where he just didn't look willing to block out there on the edge. Is that the biggest no, problem? That's a, that's, no, it, no. It, it's a very small detail in this giant 
soup of problems for the Cardinals that has gone unsolved now for almost half of a football season. Yeah, no, but, but you're right about that, and it's it's you know my theory on that because it once applied once applied to Patrick Peterson, who suddenly was playing physically and and, and with with real intensity yesterday. Yeah, uh, we could have used that the last few years. He was here in Arizona. I've I have always believed that a football team their success is commensurate to their level of intensity and violence and that that alpha male swagger that seems to be so important on a football team and if you got guys who are shying away from contact it it hurts that image and it hurts your place in the NFL hierarchy i've i've always believed that and i i've 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 got to believe it's true and and so i think that it does apply it's the wide receiver screens man it just the the throws behind the line of scrimmage i just this is this is why it's just so maddening to me because on it on the surface if there were no history that you knew about the arizona cardinals you might commend them for their resilience yesterday you might commend them for fighting um and, and for the defense and and the emotion that they play with and the fact that byron Murray Murphy Jr., you know, Justin Jefferson had a lot of catches. He didn't have a lot of impact on that game. Not really. So, I, I, again, I, I know that I look at the defense a little more generously than, than you might, and, I, and, and I've got a lot of people clapping back at me because they gave up 34 points. To me, I am perfectly happy. I'm more than happy with the defense. They are so exceeding my expectations it's not even funny. It, it, the fact that they've been carrying this team, and again, it's hard for for people to hear that when they've given up a, a big, that they've come back to earth a little bit. They're not holding teams under 20 points, and I get that. I'm perfectly fine with them. It's just the, watching these same, same errors, the timeouts in the red zone. How many times does that play clock get down to zero? And the people are running around like chickens with their heads cut yeah. off calling timeout. Yeah. That's not the way a football team needs to operate. But they either waste the timeout or they run, they, they hike the ball with one second left and then it's like they're in disarray. Which yeah. happened uh, again on that crucial fourth down play where Kyler Murray threw the ball short to, to Eno Benjamin. They were... They were expedited in that operation, too, because they tried to avoid the penalty. And actually, on the play-by-play call that we played back in, in Big Red Reacts, Dave Pash says, I thought Cliff Kingsbury got the timeout there. They didn't. Maybe they would have been better served calling that timeout. Who knows? It, it's a it's a week-in, week-out struggle. That's it. Now, the defense, you're right. I'm, I'm a little bit more critical of the defense than you've been. But just yesterday, if you use yesterday as a sample, the defense... Defensive performance, and a lot of that tied in with the the Cardinals' turnovers, giving the Vikings short fields to work with. And the Vikings took advantage, and you have to give them credit for that. But they need the Cardinals' offense needed to muster thirty five points to win that game. When was the last time this offense put up thirty five points in a game? Now people say, "Oh, they scored forty two against the Saints." The defense had two touchdowns that day. Yeah, and again, that was Thursday night football. Yes, 30, I mean, you've got 35 a, yeah. points for this offense just seems like a pipe dream almost at this point. Yeah, and that's and that's a, the other part of my frustration is they're so close to being a good team. Mm-hmm. They they could have very easily won that game in Minnesota. They could have very easily beaten the Philadelphia Eagles. They've got the pieces offensively, and they're performing. They're overachieving on defense. It's right there for them. So what's, what's also right there for them, because at the end of it all, Kyler Murray's right. you got three division games coming. Coming up in success, in success, in succession, you've got the Seahawks first, then it's the Rams, then the 49ers. Yeah. At L.A. or is L.A. here? Uh, L.A. would be 
that's that's there, right? They they played here already. Yes, this year. it's yeah. there. Yeah. That's right. Yes. That's right. At the Rams, then hosting. Yeah. Well, so this in Mexico. is this is the time when next. when if you're going to make good on all of this, this is the time you got to do it. Mm-hmm. You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, Patrick Peterson's got bragging rights over his former team and a heaping helping of animosity towards his former team, too. We'll get into that and more next as Big Red Monday rolls on here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Big Red Monday and Bickley and Murata mornings on Arizona Sports. Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. What did you convey in your speech to the team last night along with Jordan? You know, honestly, I didn't say anything. You know, Jordan, I let Jordan uh, do the speaking. The DBs in the room, they knew what I was going to be on. I didn't have, I didn't have to say one word yesterday, all this week. You said a lot on the field. Every time you made a play, you were oh, yeah. over there sideline. Oh, yeah. That's purposely. Purpose. And I'm still waiting on Steve Kahn to call me. Still haven't talked to him. Yet. Really? No. Where's Steve Kahn? Still running for us. That's what I want to talk to. Man to man, face to face. Stop running. What do you want to tell him? I want to talk to him in the space. I don't want him to see this. I want to see him personal. Personal, personal. Yeah, I need to see him personal, personal. Stop running. Stop running. Sanchez on top of that. <laughs> Patrick Peterson still waiting for that call back from Steve Kine. That was captured by Cam Cox from uh, 12 News on the field yesterday at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis. Patrick Peterson got his bragging rights. He didn't get to brag about two picks like he predicted earlier in the week, but his Vikings did beat the Cardinals yesterday, 34-26. Patrick Peterson made some plays yesterday. Uh, had three pass breakups. Uh, he almost had an interception. Did get called for two penalties. I... Came away with the same thing you did, Bick, and that was he played pretty well for what he was he asked did. to do. Yeah. He didn't match up against DeAndre Hopkins, not that I noticed at all. Um, he was playing against the second and third options for the Cardinals, and he and he and he did his job pretty well. Uh, the amount of talking Patrick Peterson did, you know, this game meant more to him. He was amped up, but I got to be honest with you. It kind of gave back those feelings when Patrick Peterson still was in Arizona at the at the end. He was kind of a you roll your eyes at Patrick Peterson kind of guy. Yeah. And I was doing that again yesterday with the amount of joying he was doing at some point let it go. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't do, I wasn't rolling my eyes at him yesterday because I what I was doing was wishing that he had played like that the last few years in Arizona. That he brought that kind of physicality and emotion to a football field. That's fair. He was it, it was he had become a diva. And it's it, the way he played yesterday, again, it, it's. I thought he was pretty darn good in the game. Um, he, he, he let a lot of stuff come out of his mouth after the game that, that you correctly ask, why did this not come up last year? Yeah. The, the Cardinals played the Vikings last year. And to me, it, it might just be he was in the second game of his first year with a new team. He might not have felt good. He might not have felt like I, I'm. He might have felt like I'm not going to make much of an impact in this game, and he didn't. He got smoked, and so maybe the fact that he's playing a, a much more contained role with the Vikings, you know what I mean? Yeah. You become more talkative after wins too. You yeah, do, uh, yeah. And that's yeah. Like Lucas said, everybody talks big when they're up. True. But if it was 
something that is still burning this hot, and I'm going to play this one-minute soundbite. This is in the locker room after the game. Patrick Peterson detailing one of the things, why you know he's upset at Steve Kime, why he's upset at the Cardinals. This story had not been heard before yesterday. I've been told a lot of things about me with the other organization. Get fan mails from the owner saying that they, I can't tackle. I'm old. I lost it. So I wanted to show him that. Uh, I don't know. Someone was sending emails to the, you know, to the owners, and then I get them on my chair, just things like that. You know. You talking about this? No, when I was there. Yeah. Somebody was leaving emails about you couldn't tackle on your chair in the locker room. And they, would, and they said they went to the fact to say, as long as I was on the team, they wasn't going to be a season ticket holder anymore. I think his name was his name was John H. Berry, if I'm not mistaken. Any message for John H. Berry today? Yeah. You see me. You see me. Also. Why would they print it out and leave it on your chair, too, right? That's, that, that was the mind-boggling thing to me. I'm like, what? What did I do to deserve this from a fan? The reporters in front of Patrick Peterson's locker had this this uh, tone of incredulousness. Like, why would this have happened? <laughs> Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> You're right. It was like it, all the people, all the journalists at his locker were trying to make sense of what was coming out of his mouth because it was two years removed. Yes. So a lot of people are like, wait, hold on, wait, back up. What was on Yeah, what was on your seat? <laughs> I have so many more questions about Did this. Did you see uh, uh, what Chuck Harris tweeted at uh, out or at us? One of the one of that the, that commercial where the guy breaks... Don't become your parents. Don't become your parents, yeah, guy. Funny. Yeah, he, he tweeted out something that basically says you don't have to print out the internet yeah, these days. Just one of the lines. <laughs> that, that, that ad the, campaign. Uh, again, it's it, to me, I, it's it's a wild claim. I, I, how could you make that up if it isn't true? He even put a guy's name on it. John H. Barry is now... Which I found a, a John Barry from Scottsdale on LinkedIn. Yeah. Did you? He didn't have the H in his in his LinkedIn profile, but there is a John Barry who could be a Cardinals fan. Interesting. Interesting. And, and is he and, reacting that adversely to one guy's email saying that he wouldn't be a season ticket holder anymore? Well, yeah, he seemed to be angry with the fan, but but to me it's it, it's so passive aggressive. Why would you choose to motivate a player like that unless you were purposely trying to make him feel bad? I that remains one of the I, I burning questions. I don't know. Okay, so this would have been so this would have been Steve Wilkes's year. Mm, no, he was here for his last year was uh, twenty twenty, which was the the pandemic year. Okay, all right, all right, that's right. So okay, so he played two years under Kingsbury. Okay, so so then I then I think this becomes a question of why if if that message wanted to be. Given to Patrick Peterson a message I agree with. He needed to be more physical. Why would it be coming from the owner in the form of a fan email? Why wouldn't it come with a sit down with the defensive coordinator? Why wouldn't it be Vance Joseph? You said it. Sickeningly passive. Yes. Or maybe it was. See, we've been trying to tell you this, Patrick. If you won't listen to us, yeah. damn it, listen to John H. Barry. He knows what's going on. <laughs> it's, it's so ridiculous. Or maybe it's this like... This season has been insane. It has been. Could it have been this type of like motivation? It was like, look at what the fans are saying about you. Look at this. This is what they're saying about you. Don't you want to prove them wrong? 
Yeah. And, it's yeah, not us, but look point. at the fans. Yeah. Yeah. In two that's, years, he will. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a real good point. Uh, but again, it's like you think about this organization and you think about how how the organization, somebody spoke so loosely of the quarterback to Chris Mortensen. What organization does that when they're about to pay a guy? Why would you slander a guy you're about to give $230 million to? Ah, And and then the independent study. uh, Do you know what embarrassment that was for the organization? Yesterday, Patrick Peterson mocked him with the celebration. It's funny. And, And you brought this up in your column. You mentioned it earlier in the show. The new Call of Duty game is getting released. There's this big ramp up advertising wise. The, the the ad that ran during the Cardinals game was set in a football locker room with them doing the you know the, the, the military cadence with basically apologizing coach for staying up all night and playing it. What call what a of, rip. The Call of Duty slash video games is an NFL wide problem. <laughs> but there's one guy who's the poster boy for it now. <laughs> And because it's because yes. of the organization's yes. insistence on the inclusion of that. He and Devin I, Booker both are the cover boys for respective video yes, games. So yeah. For different reasons. Right. I got a tweet yesterday from a listener that made, you know, that made the, the, the in my opinion, the tired Call of Duty joke with, with Kyler Murray. And I responded, everybody plays this game. Like, he's yeah. not the only guy in the NFL that's no. playing video games, but he's become the symbol for it. Yeah. Because of what the Cardinals did. Yeah. And I said it in real time, too. I can't believe Kyler Murray signed that contract with that language in it, and I can't believe his agent let him do well, it. And I can't believe if this, if this organization felt that way about Kyler Murray to the point where they're leaking it to Chris Mortensen before a Super Bowl broadcast, and then they drop this in, in the contract and then remove it when, when, when it all hits the fan. There are people who believe that the Cardinals did that purposely just to embarrass their quarterback, to shame him into preparing better. If you think so poorly of your quarterback, why did you pay him? So if they're willing to publicly shame their quarterback, it actually makes a lot of sense what Patrick Peterson said about that printed out email. Absolutely the conclusion that I came to as well. It just so far fetched, and the timing of it just you know plants the seed of doubt that yeah, you, you, you sure. just don't know about. Why it. Now? And yeah. I think we'll get more on this as the week goes on. By the way, coming up next, we'll talk more about the Cardinals' loss to Minnesota. We'll be joined by Darren Urban from AZCardinals.com. Straight ahead, it's Bickley and Murata mornings on this big red Monday on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Red Monday and Bickley and Murata mornings on Arizona Sports. Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. Sucks. Obviously, you know, it's uh, losing that one, man. It just felt like, you know, self-inflicted again, you know, so it will be better. It will be better. Kyler Murray, quarterback of the Cardinals. Uh, He threw two picks, three second-half turnovers big in the loss yesterday to the Minnesota Vikings, 34-26, as the Cardinals fall to 3-5. and Here to talk about it with us from azcardinals.com, Darren Urban checks in here on the Arizona Sports Line. Good morning, Darren. How are you? I'm doing good, guys. How are you? Good. Um... We've been talking a lot this morning, uh, again, after a loss, Darren, about, you know, just the subject of that soundbite with Kyler Murray, self-inflicted. It seems like that's a repeating pattern. I mean, you're around this team every day. You're on that team flight coming home. Can you gauge what the frustration level is with the same old story every week right now with this team? 
Well, I mean, clearly the frustration level is is pretty high. I mean, we could we could hear some definite anger through the walls as we were sitting in the uh, in the interview room waiting for people to come in yesterday as as they kind of came off the field and filtered into the locker room. I mean, they they know they missed a chance. Um, You know, the self-inflicted stuff, I mean, that's usually how it works. That's, you know, I've, I've covered this team for a long, long time. You know, Dan's been around it. I mean, when teams struggle or when they don't win games, it's it's real easy to sit there and, and, and pick out what you didn't do right and feel like that's what ultimately cost you the game. And that's that's what these teams need to do, obviously. But um, that when you lose a game, there's always going to be something self-inflicted that you're going to probably see in yourself. And, you know, yesterday they did something that they haven't done all season, which was turn the ball over. And ultimately I do think, even with everything else going on and, and some of the same issues that might have cropped up, I do think it was the turnovers that ultimately got them, and and not just the turnovers, but the fact that when they did get one with Isaiah Simmons' great strip sack and grabbing that ball, the the fact that they were almost in the red zone after that recovery and weren't able to score a touchdown there, um, that too was a big deal. So when you're turning the ball over and, and they're scoring touchdowns out of it, and when you finally get a turnover and you can't get a touchdown out of it, that's that's how these games are decided. Yeah, and that's and that's part of my frustration as well. They're, they seem to be very close to being a good team if they can just get some of these operational issues solved. Um, all right, so Patrick Peterson, uh, we both of us also have covered that man for many, many years, and he, he brought a much different physicality and intensity to the field than we saw the last few years. What did you make of his vibe and his post-game comments yesterday? Well, I mean... The vibe didn't surprise me a whole lot. He was mic'd up yesterday, so I'm sure part of that was always going to be you're going to play it up to the camera. He was always really good at that when he was mic'd up here. Um, so that I know that kind of stuff is important to Patrick. And, and clearly he, he's still pretty angry at the organization, which I, I understand to an extent. I mean, any player who's going to feel like, all right, they decided they don't want me anymore is going to harbor usually some resentment. And I don't, I don't have any problem with that. Um, you know, saying some of the other things, uh, I get where you're angry. I, it's, it, it is interesting to me that, you know, he left two years ago. None of this came up. He played against this team last year. It didn't come up. And now it's coming up. Um, you know, if it, if it was bothering him that much, you would have thought it would have come up earlier or yeah, maybe even before right. the game. The, the idea that he waited until he won the game to put it all out there, I, I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, it's, it's a bizarre story. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing Patrick will have something on his podcast about it this week. <laughs> probably, <laughs> yeah. probably. Darren Irvin of azcardinals.com, our guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. I'm going to preface this question by saying I'm not by asking it. I'm not pinning everything on Kyler Murray. You can't pin the struggles of a football team on one individual. But you know, through eight games at three and five, uh, considering he got the big contract in the big picture, Darren, how would you assess the play and improvement and growth of Kyler Murray this year? Uh, you know, I, I think I, I think he's played. I, I, I think obviously you wish he would have he would have played better. I think when he's been asked the question, he's acknowledged. I wish I would have played better. Um, it, it isn't going all the way around like you would want. And to be honest, um, 
there, there's a lot that goes into that. I mean, I would even go, there's even some big picture. I mean, there's a lot of quarterbacks across the league that aren't playing well this season for whatever reason, whether it's the way all these teams approach preseason now or, or just the overall vibe of the games, I don't know. But there, there, I think quarterback play overall seems to be down a little bit this year. But when it comes to Kyler, yeah, I, I do think you, you wish he would have played a little bit better. I mean, yesterday he acknowledged in the locker room the, the, the deep pass to Anderson, which uh, was well underthrown because he, he simply couldn't step up in the pocket and he tried to throw it anyways uh, under heavy pressure. He, he said, I shouldn't have done that. I, you know, that, that point blank, that's on me. Um, you know, the other interception, he said, was a miscommunication between him and Ertz. Um, you hope that doesn't happen. That's going to happen once in a while, and, and unfortunately it happened at a bad time. Um, I did think he had some nice throws yesterday. The, the throw on the sideline to DeAndre Hopkins was pretty good. The, the amazing one-handed catch by Hopkins, which obviously DeAndre deserves the bulk of the credit, but that throw had to be in the yes. exact right place for it to even have a chance, and he managed to make it. So he has his moments, but then there's other times. Obviously the throw that Patrick Peterson broke up in the end zone to A.J. Green, I know a lot of people were like, why didn't A.J. go after it? I, I, I felt like if that throw was a little further and a little higher, I thought that was a touchdown. I and, and I thought Kyler threw Patrick into the pass break up there. So, I mean, I, I think, you know, again, it doesn't excuse it, and, and you're going to bring up the contract. Everybody's going to bring up the contract, and it's, it's a fair point. When you're getting paid what he's going to be getting paid here, um, the level of expectation goes way up, and, and he, that's just something he's going to have to deal with as he goes forward. All right. Uh, Kyler is also right when he said that for all the anger and frustration uh, that's surrounding this team, that everything that they want is still in front of them. you got three division opponents coming in in succession. Uh, what do you think the team needs to do to kind of seize this moment and get up over the top on this season? And, and what is the offensive line going to look like in the coming weeks? <laughs> Well, the first part of your question, I guess it's just win, right? I mean, if you – obviously it looks unlikely at this point to win three in a row against your division opponents, but if you do that, it completely changes the equation. Um, but you can only do it one at a time. And I, I, I think I think what they saw out of Seattle last time they played them, I, I think there's going to be uh, – they didn't play well at all, and I think there's going to be a confidence level that they can still – with the series, and, and that's where you got to start this week. And then you got to basically be away from home for two straight games at LA, and then the game in Mexico against the 49ers. So, I mean, this is this is a crucial, crucial, and probably season-making stretch right here in a lot of ways. Uh, the offensive line, you know, I, I thought one of the things that was quietly underplayed yesterday was that DJ Humphreys couldn't play. I mean, this is a guy that, after all his issues at the beginning of his career. Um, and missing games and getting hurt. He's been in the lineup every game except for one since 2019 before yesterday, and he missed that one game not because of injury but because of COVID. So this is a guy that you're, you're used to having, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're putting Josh Jones out there who I don't think is, is there yet at this point. And, and, you know, Billy Price is the third center you've put out there, and, um, you, you know, you're working with Cody Ford who hasn't played a lot of football over the last couple of years, and, and I do think the offensive line is going through some stuff yesterday, and I, and I think they struggled at times. So what it's going to look like, you hope the back injury isn't too bad for Humphreys. I don't know what's going to happen with Rodney Hudson. I think that's one of the bigger mysteries right now yeah. um, because that knee has been bothering him for a long time. So 
I, I don't know what that means, but, you know, again, injuries are part of it. And as DeAndre Hopkins said in the locker room, everybody's in this on this team for a reason. And if somebody can't play, somebody else has got to. Yeah. Darren Urban from azcardinals.com, our guest. Before we let you go, uh, trade deadline in the NFL looming tomorrow. Cardinals have already made a deal bringing in Robbie Anderson, whom they've had a little bit of difficulty acclimating into the offense, I guess somewhat expected. But, I mean, at this point, at 3-5, and five, Darren, um, you know, in the division that they're in, they're still in the thick of it. Do you expect moves tomorrow? I'm not going to rule anything out. I'm kind of in the, the cliff. Kingsbury, how he said the other day, wouldn't be surprised. I, I guess I wouldn't be surprised. It would have to be the right deal, and it would have to be, again, the right situation. I'm not just going to give away a pick for a, a rental or somebody that I think may or may not work. I mean, this is, to me, it's still a lot different than if you're adding a guy at the baseball trade deadline or even the NBA trade trade deadline. I mean, it doesn't, there isn't an automatic one-to-one. If you bring him in, he's uh-huh. absolutely going to make an impact. And I think you have to be very careful about that stuff to not to make a move just to make a move. Darren, thanks for the time. As always, appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you, Darren Thanks, Urban, com, our guest on the Arizona Sports Line. Coming up next, so much focus on the offense for the Cardinals and with good reason. We'll flip it around, take a look at the defensive side of the ball and what they did in Minnesota yesterday. It's Bickley and Murata mornings on this big red Monday on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Here we go! Quick Big red Monday and Bickley and Murata mornings on Arizona Sports. Let's go! Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Anytime the team can put points on you and run the ball on you, of course, we, we want to do better. We want to do better. For me, I got, I got to do better. Start with myself, and uh, we want to do better. It was, yeah. Um, they have a really good team. Kevin O'Connell's done a great job since he's been there. Um, and they execute at a high level down there. Marcus Golden with the Cardinals refrain of 2022. Got to do better. Cliff Kingsbury talking about uh, Minnesota going five for five in red zone trips. Cashed all five into touchdowns. Um, you know, the defensive side of the football has been, uh, for the most part, this year, Bick, I agree with your assessment, a pleasant surprise for the most part. Um, yesterday was a little rough for them. Um, you know, when you look at the, the rushing yards, especially early in the game, I thought Dalvin Cook was going to go off for about 250 yards rushing, the way that thing started. Yeah. Uh, he it's and Madison both averaged six yards per carry. So, and I, I wrote about this in our rapid reactions piece on ArizonaSports.com. That's what this game came down to for me. Yes, the turnovers were enormous. The timing of the turnovers were enormous. But the Cardinals couldn't run the ball. Uh, that revamped offensive line got pushed around. And I think the defensive line got pushed around for the most part in the running game for the Vikings. And that, to me, was a huge, huge factor uh, in this game for the Cardinals. Defensively, they forced a turnover. Um, but I don't think there was enough plays defensively yesterday. Um, they continue to be the side of the ball that has held up their end of the bargain way better than the offense. Mm-hmm. But you can't give up. you can't give up 34 points and expect to win. Yeah, no, okay. I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. 
Um, but I think I think in today's NFL, this defense has has been more than accountable for for what for what Vance Joseph was given at the start. Oh, Isaiah Simmons made another big play yesterday, so that's two games in a row he's made a kind of a game changing kind of play. Jalen Thompson was terrific for the most part after They're, being iffy going into yeah, the game. Their secondary held up Byron Murphy Jr. Another really did about big, as good as you could. Yeah, I, I I look at Justin Jefferson and and they, they there was a point midway through the game where he had two catches he even even with um his numbers that he put up he didn't really have a huge impact on the game he went up and got a 50-50 ball that was a a big moment in the game for the Vikings but for the most part they did a good job of containing him they did a good job of pressuring Kirk Cousins JJ Watt blew up some stuff uh, I'm 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 tickled to death with the way this defense is performing now are they breaking apart a little bit maybe I, I, you could make that argument. I, I just think, in you know, I, I, for the most part, I, I've got no issues with the except defense. for the Chiefs game. The defense has done enough each game to give the Cardinals a chance to win if their offense was playing like you yeah, thought I they were heard, supposed yeah. to be playing. Uh, yesterday, if they come up with two pick sixes, they, they win that game. You can't count on that every week. To Jarrett's point, I just wonder about the lasting effects of a stretch where. The Cardinals held the Rams, the Eagles, and the Seahawks to 20 points or less, and the offense completely broke broke any chance of winning those games because they could not produce. And I, I forget which game it was after, but the discussion we had on the show was, you know, that's the kind of game that makes you, I think it was a Seattle game. That's the kind of game that can create a fissure in the locker room between the offense and the defense. When you got the defense overachieving to the level that it was at that point and the offense underachieving, that you know, space in the middle can create a whole lot of tension. And since then, the Cardinals defense has given up 34 points in, in each of the last two weeks. I fear that big picture, Bick, they might have missed. They did miss opportunities to win games yeah. uh, when the defense was really overachieving on, on individual yeah. game Sundays. They, uh, they, the Cardinals defense held four consecutive opponents opponents to under twenty points, and the Cardinals went one and three. Mm-hmm. That's that's unforgivable with this offense and the money they've allocated to this offense. The offensive line is going to be an issue going forward, as we uh, discussed with Darren yeah. Urban. <laughs> The inference and the fear is that Rodney Hudson's already retired. He just hasn't told anybody. Yeah, I mean, Darren used the word that popped up on this show last week. I called Rodney Hudson maybe the most mysterious Arizona Cardinal of all time, and he used, it's a mystery. Nobody really knows about his condition, his availability. Uh, He's obviously very important to what they do. Mm -hmm. Billy Price, for as good as he was against the Saints, pressed into duty. He that got, was he that was not good smoked. yesterday. Yeah, well, listen, it, it's this offensive line again. It, it's I, this is why I don't understand when when the Cardinals went out and acquired Robbie Anderson. Why why wouldn't you go? Okay, look, yeah, losing Hollywood Brown that kind of hurts, and it's really a shame that we're not going to pair a deep speed guy with DeAndre Hopkins. Why they wouldn't use that those assets to go and try to strengthen their offensive or defensive line? I I just. It's it's silly to me. Yeah, but it's I mean, silly. It it seems to be throwing good money after bad. I agree, but and also people that are defensive of that move is Robbie Anderson has barely been on the field in two weeks. Oh, they're acclimating him into the offense. 
It didn't take very long for the 49ers to acclimate Christian McCaffrey into their offense. <laughs> Thank you. He was responsible for three touchdowns in three different ways yesterday. Yes. What are you t- they don't even know how to use him yet. Is he a quarterback? <laughs> is he a receiver? Is he running back? Come on. They're moving him all around. They have no idea what to do with him. Just testing him out. And meanwhile, the weakest part of the Cardinals offense to this point has been the deep ball. Robbie Anderson is a deep ball specialist. I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't catch one all year the way this is going. So the one attempt they had yesterday was pathetic. Uh-huh. That was a pathetic, <laughs> a pathetic play uh, that led to one of those th- three big turnovers. I don't, I mean. And, well, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, for as great as he is, he had a key drop as well. I mean, you never think he'd drop a pass like that. No, because it was on both hands. Now, he did have to stretch for it while he was in stride, but that's a, you feel comfortable saying 99.9% of the time DeAndre Hopkins is going to make that move. Again, I'll bring this up as well. On the second to last drive, you know, that last drive that the Cardinals had with no timeouts and they're scrambling, they're down eight. A lot, there, there was a lot of emphasis put on the Eno Benjamin, uh, you know, crack back block or the, the illegal uh, block that he had that, that stalled things. But then they gave up two consecutive sacks to end the game. I think the game was lost on the second to last possession by the Cardinals. They're in Vikings territory, and you got a third and manageable, and then a fourth down and manageable. Um, and, you know, how you don't go to DeAndre Hopkins on one of those two plays is beyond me. You know, option B, if you're putting the ball in the air to me, is Zach Ertz. It didn't go his way. And a very strong option three with four yards to gain is, oh, by the way, you got the fastest quarterback in football on your team. Maybe that's the time to design, to roll out a design play. Yeah. Yet they throw the ball short of the sticks twice. Yeah, right. That, exactly. And I, and I agree with everything you just said. And, that, and it's in the moment you can nitpick this or that. It, it, when you dial out, it's the coming up small in big time situations. That's the thing. That's one of the defining characteristics of this team. And, and it's something that to me, that's, it adds to my frustration. We all want to cheer for basketball, for athletic teams like our basketball team mostly that seizes the moment that rises to the occasion and and like you said when things start moving real fast on a football team this team seems to lock up yes and, and all they can do is call timeout what was evident to me as well and this always is in the back of my head watching this team and and somebody suggested this i think two years ago in breaking down the cardinals offense is that the play calling seems to be designed to get first downs. Yes. You need three, you're get you're calling a play that's gonna get three and an inch. You mm-hmm. need eight, you're calling a play that's gonna get eight and an inch. Yep. There's such little verticality in this in this. There offense. really is. And it's and that's that's a quite an issue with this with this team. And and one of the things I can't stand is when you get into a when you get in, when when a negative play throws this team off schedule, another oh. phrase that I never want to hear again for the rest of my natural <laughs> life, off schedule. Guess what you're going to hear it this week, too. Yeah. When this team gets thrown off schedule, you know what's coming. And it, when you get into a third and obvious, a third and 10 plus yards, they give up. They they run stupid little flares to gain a little yard, and they 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 run give up plays. Yeah. And when you've got DeAndre Hopkins on the edge, why you don't throw the ball up to him downfield? The guy is a 
P.I. pass interference machine. And, and a quarterback who's I, great at improv- yeah, improvising. I, I, so I, I, don't, I don't get any of that. It, there's a fear yeah. that just comes off this team at times. It's a great it's way to put it. very unbecoming. It's a great way to put it. Coming up next, uh, Sarah Gazelle will take us through some social studies to kick off the 9 o'clock hour. It's Bickley and Murata mornings, live from the Oc Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.